Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timponi. Hi. And it's a Tuesday, the 16th of August. And this is OneRadioNetwork.com. It's an honor to be here each morning and actually make a living doing this. I mean, sure, go figure. Um, and we have some good shows for you this morning. Robert Bustani, he uh, is a, a yoga m- a master and been doing it for a long time. And um, uh, we haven't talked about yoga forever. I just, I don't know. And he was introduced to us by Adam Bergstrom, who will be here tomorrow for Adam 2.0 at 10 o'clock. Also tomorrow, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie somebody, Stephanie, uh, I had it here, uh, Stephanie August, and she uh, had an out-of-body experience, uh, I believe, uh, while she was on the operating table and um, saw herself down there her life just has never been the same. And she's written a book, and she talk, oh, goes around the country and talks to people of the fact that they are a soul and not the body, which we talk a lot about around here because it's, it's the truth. Um, and then also tomorrow, or later on this morning, Kate Cavanaugh. She's a regenerative farmer, and she's into uh, raising animals and things like that in a regenerative way. So we're going to speak with her. We've been speaking a lot about that. So... Uh, lots to do here, and there's two ways to join us. You can try the telephone, and it seems to be working this morning. Triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at one radio network dot com. Robert Bustani is a physicist. He's uh, taken a research based systems approach to uh, developing. Okay, I'm going to have you say this because I'm going to mess it up again. I don't know why. Uh, good morning, Robert. Are you going to tell us how you pronounce it? Hi, Robert Bustani. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to be here. It's it's great to actually talk to you. I have oh, listened to you over the years, oh. and it's always been a lot of fun. Um, so I, I'm very pleased to be here. Oh, you, know, you look great, and it's probably... I don't know why I'm having a hard time with that. Uh, pronounce it for me. Ustani. No, no, the the yoga. Prala, prala. Yoga. Pralaya Pralaya. Yeah. Pralaya. 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 And that's Pralaya. Just, you know, if you talk to uh, East Indians, they'll they'll say uh, Pralaya is oblivion, but actually what pralaya is is there is the quietest state of creation Hmm. where nothing is manifest before everything bubbles up and Uh sophisticates into where we are now Uh, and they call that state the baseline against which everything could be measured pralaya pralaya so if i'm going to teach yoga poses you have to have a baseline of comparison, so why not Pralaya? Why not Pralaya? I like that. It's a beautiful word. You can almost use that in a chant, chanting meditation, right? Yeah. Hmm. Pralaya. The, 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 the term yoga, is it, is it, did it come from the idea of yoking the mind and the body together? Do I remember that, or did I dream that's, that? Did I that's, dream? No, that's, that's the way that it's ordinarily... Um, defined 
and eventually yoga is a union so ultimately the idea is there's a great master at one point was talking about this to me he had become enlightened mm-hmm. and when he became enlightened he said i saw white light everywhere oh wow and he said he said i was i was sitting and i tried to move my arms and i couldn't move my arms and i tried to move my legs and i couldn't move my legs and he said my mind got frantic and he said so the mind turned back on itself to see something and he said at that point the drop acquired the ocean so the idea of yoga is to merge with the ocean the source of all life hmm ultimately yeah yeah I, i'm and at first we get trying to you know organize our life a little bit together so right that's interesting you use that term i'm a student a longtime student of Ekankar, and uh we talk about the ocean of love and mercy um God, you know, Sugumite is the name we use. Hmm. Oh, ocean of love. There's a good story relating to all of that because you had mentioned like we're not the body and certainly we are not the body. Right. Um, and so when I was in grad school, my youngest, my oldest daughter had just been born and I'm in grad school and so you're working long, long hours and I'm lying down and I hear the baby. And I thought, well, I should get up. But I was so tired. I said, well, I'll just leave my body here. And so I got up <laughs> and looked to see the baby. And and I looked, the baby was okay. And then mom woke up and she looks across and sees me standing by the bed. But my physical body is lying next to her. That's so great. And I figured, hmm, this is a good time to go back in. So I kind of went back into my body and I opened my eyes and she looked at me and she said, did that just happen? It's like, yeah, that just it did, huh? Wow, that, that was the beginning of quite an adventure. I bet so, boy. Once you see that, the game is you know the game changes, doesn't it? Once you experience it, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to read about spirituality, Robert, as you know, and think about it. It's it's a, from the old idea. I think one of my teachers said that spirituality has to be caught and not taught, where until we really experience it, it's just a mental concept. Absolutely. Yeah. So what did you do after that? So was this the first time where you really had the aha thing that says, whoa, I am not the body? <laughs> um, or did as, you have it before? As a child, I used, to, I used to float out of the body. So when I was, you know, yeah. prior to, you know, it, it was pretty young. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six years old, something like this, five years old. Yeah. I'd lie, I'd lie in bed and I'd get these vibrations that, you know, Robert Monroe talks about these yeah. vibrations and you have a vibration running from head to feet. And it just started going back and forth like this. And yeah. I'd lie down and cross my arms and this vibration would start and I would float up toward the ceiling and I always wanted to turn over and look at my body. Yeah. And every time I opened my eyes, it was morning. So there were never any dreams or anything. It was just like very quiet. And, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly in that place right now, but it, it certainly was where I started. Yeah. It is so 
serendipitous you say that. I did the same thing. Saturday mornings we would wake up and we weren't allowed to go in to watch cartoons and Roy Rogers and, you know, uh, whatever mm-hmm. those shows were. Remember those? Sky King and uh, Leave It oh, To... You know, absolutely. The Little Rascals, right? Oh, God, I get goosebumps. And so we weren't allowed to go in until I think seven, but I would get up like five or six and I would lay in bed and that w- what struck me, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I did the rocking thing too. Mm-hmm. You rock back and forth. I figured out doing that and then I would just go up to the ceiling and felt like, whoa, isn't it funny we did that together, you know? Probably around the same time, too. Uh, you probably have had... It's got to be because, you know, you're talking about Sky King and Roy Rogers, yeah. I remember, <laughs> and then Little Rascals. Little yeah, Rascals, sure. right? Yeah. Remember, uh, who was the fellow that, Mr. Wizard, remember him, Mr. Wizard? He used to do these experiments and they had a fellow that would draw pictures, you know, and we would watch him and all these really wonderful shows and a little different than what's on the kids are doing now, huh? Wow. Way different. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Did we you live know, a sheltered life or what? Whoa. It was, it was definitely quieter. Oh, man. That's for sure. There were not very many distractions. You were kind of just yeah. there. I, as a little kid, I'd just go out and sit in the backyard and watch the little insects crawl through the yeah. grass and yeah. Yeah. or lie down on the grass and look up at the sky. And I was pretty physical, but... You suppose it was, it, it, was it was just, well, it's all planned out. I mean, we knew what we were doing, or God did, when we came in at this time long ago so we could get our, get a few things out of the way so we could then teach and help people. Huh? Hmm. I know they have, um, there's, there's uh, a great female entrepreneur, who, uh, Jenna, Jenna Kusher, who always says, your mess, whatever mess occurs in your life becomes your message, that you work all that stuff out, yeah. whatever it is you've been through, <laughs> and then you keep that. Yeah. So everybody has a gift, but you know, the training is sometimes a little tougher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes if we knew what we had to go through you know, for the last 50 years, we probably wouldn't have done it, you know. <laughs> we, we probably would have said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm good. I think I'll just do this. <laughs> uh, have you gone through some, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I've been through a few things uh, in the whole process. I'm like a two-time cancer survivor. Wow. And the last time was uh, I decided that I was going to do yoga and proper nutrition, some acupuncture, some herbs, and hmm. got got through everything. Met this very interesting Chinese doctor who's passed away some years ago, and it was very interesting talking to him. I didn't know this at the outset, but. Uh, I worked with him for a few years. We kind of got to be really good friends and started spending time together. And then he kept telling me, it's like, oh, you don't need to spend so much money on acupuncture. And, and I noticed the difference. So over the years, I noticed what a, what a difference something like acupuncture could make. And what is acupuncture? Uh, it's stimulating microcurrents 
through the acupuncture meridians, or you can actually take a TENS unit or some kind of little electronic device and run that current through. And over time, I noticed I started doing a little bit of acupuncture, very simple stuff um, on myself. And I noticed that I turn up the current until I got some pulsing in the muscle. And then within 20 minutes, I, it was no longer pulsing because I had relaxed. And when you relax, skin conductivity goes up, which insulates you from the outside. But the currents, the conductivity in the meridians also goes up. So I could, I almost doubled the amount of current I could run through my body. Now, mm. this is what mm. you do in uh, Tai Chi, for example, because I've got, let's say I'm, I'm sitting and my arm is very relaxed and I run my arm across parallel to the surface of the floor, just mm-hmm. sweep my arm out. And what happens? Well, there's Earth's magnetic field, and I'm cutting the field lines with my arm, and it induces currents into my arm. So doing Tai Chi is very similar to acupuncture in that you induce these currents in your body, uh, and you're a biological battery. You know, as a physicist, I can definitely say that. Yeah. And so I began to teach yoga in a very similar way. And initially, it was just a conceptual idea that if I put uniform pressure over the joints of my body, well, then the joints could last a little longer. But then I started noticing that if I exhale and twisted, inhaled and released, that the fascia, we we know this now because everyone has gotten well-informed about fascia, the fascia would stretch, it would generate microcurrents that would induce currents into the acupuncture meridians. Hmm. And you get all kinds of uh, effects from that. One of the effects from inducing currents is you can open capillary bits. So now blood flow in the given area is increasing. You have some mediation of some of the biochemistry in the body. And if a person has lots of stress, then you find that their body starts to tighten down. So there's a biochemical effect to shrink the fascia, and now you can't produce as as much in the way of electrical currents. So I started teaching yoga where there was a cyclic action, and then over some decades, you know, I started practicing quite a long time ago, Hmm. and met all these different Indian masters, gratefully, uh, here in Houston, Texas, for whatever reason, a lot of people have have come to Houston, Texas. So, <laughs> like most of my studying of yoga is in Houston, Texas from the great masters like uh, Swami Muktananda. And there, there were all these different masters. And one, uh, about 2011, there was a great Himalayan master. Okay, what's gonna be a great Himalayan master? This is a continuance of the line of uh, Yogananda, if people are familiar yeah. with autobiography of a yogi. And he came to uh, he came to Houston, and I was going to teach uh, my most advanced yoga class of the week. And so all my 
teachers and the strongest students would come to this particular class. And I walked into the class, I mean, you know, things talking about serendipity. Yeah. I know I can talk to you about that because you should uh, have had plenty of experiences there. But I walked in and I saw the picture of this yogi and he had this very engaging smile. And I went to my strongest student and I said, you're teaching tonight. And he said, everybody's here for you. I said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to see this guy. And I picked up the flyer and I showed him. And he said, who's that? I said, I have no idea, but I have to go. <laughs> and so, so I went there and I, I talked to him and kind of like shortening the story, there'll be lots of interesting points about it. Uh, it was the Himalayan master. He had been living in Himalayas and they go for a month or more without food, yeah. living maybe two layers of cloth wow. in the freezing cold of Himalayas and incredibly strong incredibly fearless hmm. and i you know i asked them like you know they, they never sleep yeah they no longer they've gone beyond sleep and i said well why don't you sleep and he said i don't need to he said people go to sleep when they have to resolve right. in the subconscious whatever it is they need to or at least get a perspective on yeah so hmm. he said i if i work on a project i'll put all my heart into it and however it turns out at the end when it's over i never think about it again i just i'm going on to my next thing so yeah. uh they're very well directed and uh and i found that one of the things that they were were doing and i had heard this over the years a number of times that they were doing the same thing Exhaling, moving into some given position, inhaling, releasing, and it generates all these currents. Hmm. So you can generate energy. And so over over time, he said, well, maybe you'd like to learn how we survive in Himalayas. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I would really love to. <laughs> Count me in on that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so he said, well, I have, to, I have to find some other people. We've never taught this in the West. Uh -huh. So... Uh, so he said, I'll, I'll see if I can, if I can find five or six other people, then, you know, I'll, I'll train you in this. So at the time I was going to uh, study with the number two Taoist in, in China, very, very wonderful woman. And so I'd go to Sejuan province and there's this beautiful mountain that has incredible uh, negative ions. Some of the highest uh, quantities, shall we say, of negative ions of any place in the world. You can just go there and walk in the mountains and you feel better just walking. It's like there's no lack of, it's like chi or prana yeah. or whatever energy we take in, you're taking it in when the body's relaxed. So if you go to a place like this and there's this tremendous um, wealth of negative ions, it starts filtering into your system <clears throat> and you find that um, you just feel tremendously vital as a result of doing this. So I begin to make the associations between these negative ions, which on a very physical level is certainly necessary if we're in 
rush hour traffic, which I certainly was coming here uh, to, to my studio, uh, it will slowly drain your biological battery. So then by practicing cyclic action in given yoga poses, you can recharge, recharge. your biological uh, And over, over time, you learn how to breathe. And one of the things in yoga where you learn how to breathe is you do what's termed uh, ujjayi breathing, sound breathing. And when you're breathing in that way, when you're breathing in that way, you create a slight restriction at the throat. So it creates a back pressure there. The friction, you can hear the sound. And so the mind begins to focus on the sound. Hmm. And then as you continue to focus on that sound, it sort of calms you down because you're affecting uh, the vagus nerve. And what else is happening as you're doing that kind of thing? Well, there's a slight restriction, certainly as you're exhaling, and that restriction creates, raises the partial pressure of oxygen in the lungs. So now you can increase oxygen coming into the lungs and you can breathe very slowly. Mm, very. And as you're breathing very slowly and you learn to relax breathing very slowly, you eventually can feel the currents running in your body. And this is natural. This is anyone, I can teach anyone to do this. Wow. You're a human being, you're gifted with this you, you potential know, You ability. can do it. Wow. So can you, can you show us, uh, demonstrate this breathing now here? It, it would be very slow. That's uh, okay. What I would do, let's, let's uh, start with this. Yeah. If I'm breathing from my abdomen, mm -hmm. it's like what they'll, they'll do, one of the techniques, is they'll inhale and expand the abdomen. Okay, I'm doing so that when now. I inhale and I descend my abdomen, the diaphragm is a dome, mm -hmm. and that dome begins to push down or sink down, and it creates more space in the lungs. So if I inhale, expand the abdomen, the lungs, and then hold breath for some period of time, so you have time for the oxygen to transfer into bloodstream. And then when you exhale, you draw the lower belly in toward the spine. So how far down? About five fingers below the belly button. Mm -hmm. So if my thumb is on belly button, my little finger is about centered on the bladder, which is about what would be termed the second chakra. What the yogis call that is the knot of energy. And this is a place uh, in that general region that energy can arise. So if I inhale and I put pressure there in the, that section of the abdomen, right. what it will do is eventually you can build the pressure, not only because you can pull the diaphragm down, you have enough strength to do that, but you can actually even use psoas to pull the diaphragm down. So now they're sitting with, sitting on one heel so the base of the pelvis is closed. So what do you do? You create tremendous pressure there. And you can actually transfer oxygen into cerebrospinal fluid. Ooh. And 
so over a period of time, what the yogis do, they found, oh, I can, if I increase oxygen in cerebrospinal fluid, I can also increase oxygen into the brain. And now perception will actually improve. You find you become mentally much mm -hmm. sharper. Uh, so they have all these processes, all the different exercises that you're doing in yoga. Why, why did they do all of these exercises? Well, for one reason, they were living in, in the wild, certainly in the Himalayas. You're kind of on the verge of death all the time. <laughs> so you have to, you know, if you survive. take a fall and you can put your foot behind your head, well then, you know, there's no 911. Nobody, EMS is not coming to get you. Right. you. You have to walk out of there. Yeah. So they learned all these to strengthen themselves and create flexibility that, so they could survive under these circumstances. Wow. Is the, and have you... Have you written books about this and people could learn it from afar if they're not in Houston? We have, um, we have a, an enrichment program, which could also be teacher training. And we, we talk to people about all these different processes. We mm -hmm. go over the history of yoga, emotional self-care, which certainly people need at this particular point. Um, there's, there's an extensive course on on this kind of thing and you can come in and just do it piecemeal that's fine too whatever is convenient with your life we try to make it accessible because this will all be forgotten yeah. if we don't pass it on and that's what this particular himalayan monk is doing he's that's why he can that's why he connected with you right yeah just, yeah which is and hmm. they have no successors at this particular point so the idea is to gather this information they have a, a particular website that they uh, do this on and it's basically a, a course so you can do it at low cost or no cost then uh, i have my own course which is maybe not quite as intense right as what they and can any can either of these courses be done uh, online virtually or do you have to be in absolutely oh. everything everything is done virtually at this point whoa i want to do that even even yoga alliance which um is basically a register for certified yoga instructors um during whatever this occurrence happened over the last three years whatever that was <laughs> whatever it was is right. <laughs> said, yeah you've got to you know and i won't get into it but sure. um yoga alliance said yeah you can completely do a teacher training course online and i have some people who come in just because they want to learn all the details of this and so as a physicist i've spent a lot of time looking at a variety of different things so certainly you can you can look at the physics and modern physics has really taken tremendous strides into subtle energies and uh, but if you look at the Taoists or you look at the Tai Chi masters or Qigong masters certainly the Indian yogis and uh, the Tibetans have a tremendous amount of knowledge of herbs and 
different um, techniques for going into a deeper meditative state. So what's the major thing? If, if we're talking about electronics, you know, we're talking a little bit about microphones mm -hmm. when I first got on here and there was a little background noise and what are we trying to do? If we are to have the ultimate perception of reality, then we have to quiet the noise inside of ourselves so that we become so quiet when our internal noise level becomes very quiet, that's how much I can perceive. So if I want to perceive something very subtle, whatever subtlety I'm trying to perceive, it has to, I have to have a noise level that's even quieter than that. Yes, sir. Otherwise, there's no way I can perceive it. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah. Wow. And, and, and children are very good at that. Yeah, because they they're, can just sink beautiful. into the Nowsville, right? And they just, whoo. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no distraction. Hmm. Unless you become like children, right? <laughs> yes. What's that line? Yeah. It feels like I, I've seen in my contemplations as I go deeper and deeper is that there appears like it's almost... I want to see what you think about this. It's almost like, as a quantum phys as a physicist, it's almost like if you, if you, when we used to watch the news, they have these little trailers that go under the newscaster, you know, and they're giving you the stock, right. you're giving you the stock market and stuff like that. I, I feel like there's so almost a little, very quiet band of, you know, that's the noise, right? And, um, and I th it feels like it's an etheric kind of a thing, maybe subconscious, that's just kind of running in the background. Do you know what I'm getting at? And I get to the point, if I, if I keep going deeper and deeper, it just disappears, and it's just me and yeah. God, right? I just, poof. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that most humans, all of us, for lifetimes have been going around, Robert, running with this, this noise, but we don't realize it's there? Is that close, do you think? And they're, they're inherent, you know, from, from this viewpoint. Okay, you come from a family, a series of families. You have a lineage. Mm -hmm. And so, genetically, you're an expression of right. some summation of all of that. And so, you know, you'll have someone that's like, oh, your aunt so-and-so or your great uncle, um, you know, was, had a fear of spiders or something like this. Right. And, and okay, that's in there. It's, there's all this programming inside of us. And the intention of the yoga is to begin to resolve these tendencies into a more quiet space where you can express the gift. I mean, you know, this sounds funny because people always talk about other individuals that are maybe flaky. Well, you're like a snowflake. Yeah. You're unique, okay? You're unique, very unique. And everyone has a gift. And even if they're reluctant, maybe the reluctance is coming from some genetic tendency or the reluctance is coming for some experience they had. But the idea is, to quiet all that noise down so the purity of who you are can come out in your unique gift. Yeah. 
And then you take that unique gift and offer it to the world. And if we all come together, what a great idea. <laughs> if we all come together as a community and each of us supports the gifts we have, support each other in the gifts we have, who knows what will happen. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and what it feels like to me is the more that you and I and all of our listeners express that gift because of the work that we do, spirit, prana, chi, God, whatever you want, just keep saying, yes, yes, here, here have more, take, have more, have more, you know, good for you. There was a, there's a beautiful near-death experience that I was sharing with um, my teacher training class last week. And there was a woman who had gone through a very difficult time, and she decided she was going to commit suicide. So there's a lot of desperation in the world today. And she went to the other side, and she had set up being in her car and doing whatever she was doing. But she, as she was, as she was dying, she crossed over to the other side, and she said there was no judgment on the other side. That it was like, we understand what you did, mm -hmm. why you did it, mm -hmm. and uh, and ultimately, she remembered her daughters. Like, oh, my daughters need me, and went back. she said as soon as she she went back. Yeah, and when she went back, the last thing that she heard when she went back from this beautiful place of love and peace and so on. The last thing they told her is breathe and don't resist because whatever is happening will take you to the right place. Uh, it's like just breathe and don't resist. Don't resist. And I thought it was so beautiful that there's no pressure on you particularly to achieve just don't resist the direction it's going. Great masters have told me in the past that if you try to direct your life, it's it's okay. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. It's okay with to have plans, right? Plans are good. It's completely okay yeah. to do that kind of thing, but you never know when some very unusual event that looks like it's not going in the right direction will take you exactly to where you need to be. Yeah. And, I, and the serendipity again, that has happened so many times in my life. So, you know, I, I'm teaching my Thursday evening advanced class and I, and I come in and I see this flyer and I leave. Yes, the go. ghost Boom. great Himalayan monk. And, and he completely changed my life to, to do that. And the lives uh, and, and the quality of what I can now teach. Had I not gone and not met him and had the opportunity to learn from someone who says, I remember my last 11 lifetimes. Hmm. Wow. And, you know, someone will ask him, one of, one of our... The, the dear students said, like, would you teach us Sanskrit? He said, you can't live, learn Sanskrit in one lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so in, 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 in any case, that's, that's beyond me, but in, in any case, you just trust. 
that somehow it's going in the right place, that it's unfolding the way it unfolds yeah. for a reason that you, you, you can't perceive at the time. And so people will go through very difficult times and they'll come to the other end. Cancer survivor. A story. When I was a kid, I'm like 21 or something like this and had malignant melanoma and they excised it, checked, they weren't too sure in my little hometown in South Louisiana. So they sent it to MD Anderson. Said, well, we're not sure either, but we need to take all the lymph nodes out. So they take all the lymph nodes out. Hmm. And, and I've got a 18 inch scar on my left eye and I'm all of a sudden in a terminal ward because they didn't think I was gonna survive based on whatever they did and said, well, we're going to do an analysis of whatever is going on here and we'll tell you uh, what the outcome is We may, and what did it come to. Well, we may have to amputate the leg to stop the cancer. So I was in a turbulent time. Uh, I just started grad school here at Rice mm -hmm. uh, in uh, biological applications of nuclear physics. Whoa. And, <laughs> that sounds uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what an appropriate thing to be looking at. And in the biological applications were an early detection system for the recurrence of cancer. So it's like, okay, I guess I get to see the whole process from the inside out. Um, but uh, the doctors come in after I've come out of recovery and I've had a day or so that I'm doing better. And he comes in, he looks at the scar. This is like two or three days after the surgery. He looks at the scar and he says, okay, in, in nine days we can take the sutures out. In uh, about a week you can walk, uh, you'll drive home, you know, in another, another week. And then in a in a month, you can you can start running again, or maybe in a year, you can start running again. And so, I'm in a terminal ward, and in, in these days, they did not have good pain medication. So, the people who were on medications, their medication would run out, and now they're screaming in pain. And so, you're in you're in a room. Hmm. Uh, I had a private room, but you could hear people in the ward. And they scream, they go and bring them meds and they eventually settle down. So I'm, it's midnight and I'm lying there sweating because my metabolism's up so high because uh, obviously it's a, it's a big incision. So body's reacting to that kind of thing and I'm sweating. And this prayer came out of me. It was midnight. I remember I had checked the time when this occurred and I'm hearing all these people in pain. And I said, God, whoever you are, <laughs> wherever you are, if you give my life back to me, and I don't, I don't want to be an invalid. I don't want to be a burden on anyone. Mm -hmm. I will do your will if you make sure that I understand what your will is. Mm. And the next morning, the next morning, okay, doctor had seen me the day before he comes in the doctor comes in he looks at my leg he says 
we can take the sutures out right now. I had healed that quickly. Wow. They were shocked. I was shocked. Wow. I walked that day. I drove home the end of that week. It was like it was a massive shift. And I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. A melding of an energetic understanding from the viewpoint of science and the viewpoint of the mystics of Himalayas or other great masters mm -hmm. from these old lineages that understand what energy is and that if electrical energy is the physicality that we can can look at or one physicality of energy we can look at there is a subtler energy so in all pranayama in yoga in all pranayama you always have to be completely relaxed because you can't pull in this subtle energy if you force it doesn't work doesn't work yeah great masters always tell you that they will tell you that you cannot force it you have to relax this is not just I want this, you know, it's we had, we're in a world of I want this right no, now. Right. Can't do it that way. No. You have to slow it down. The opposite. And, and and I've I've somehow been blessed enough to see on the inner planes where I, you can almost explain from a physicist or geeky what happened where when we change our state of consciousness, my experience like you did with the cancer thing that, that you change your state of consciousness. And at that moment, the body does change because the state of consciousness in the body is like a hologram thing. So it's understandable how it could happen. You know, absolutely. I, I get it. I, I, you know, I really see. Isn't that fascinating? How these instant healings kind of thing ha do happen, and because they can, right? Miracles happen. All absolutely. 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 And. And where does energy go? Energy goes where you focus. So if I focus on my hand, blood flow will increase in my hand. Right. If I focus to a specific place in my brain, then blood flow can increase there. If I focus midpoint between eyebrows, this is a really simple process that could be used. If I touch midpoint between eyebrows and I just take the hand away, there's an after effect feeling mm -hmm. where I touched. And if I exhale and put all my attention midpoint between eyebrows and just pause my breath. And then I hold my attention partially there, but inhale and draw attention to the back of the skull. And you start getting these currents that run back and forth along the retinal hypothalamic tract. What are they doing in, uh, I used to work with a group of psychologists and psychiatrists dealing with in particular addictions and alcoholism was one of them and what we found was that if they could increase brainwave activity and we have we have psychological tests that show before and after if they could increase brainwave activity where theta state theta waves four to eight hertz is dream state fundamentally let's just say that mm -hmm. simplify if the amplitude if the energy in that range goes up relative to everything else the people will have memories of kind of where they came from 
how they got to this addiction. Mm. Wow. A very interesting thing occurred, and you can see it happen. I've seen it on EEG. You have this brilliant biochemist who's got a difficult relationship, alcoholic, so forth and so on. Nobody knows what to do with them because they're so emotionally upset, although they're brilliant, completely brilliant. And I'm running through these this EEG experience, shall we say. And what happened? They never smiled. They were, you know, dark, suffering, so on. And within two or three weeks, I walk in and she's pulling the electrodes off her her head and she's smiling and I had never seen her smile I said what happened and what did she tell me she says while I was in that state she had gone to the theta state so she went into you know dream state it could be like lucid dreaming it doesn't make any difference mm -hmm. you know what what you call it it's the state she get she got to and she said I realized that I love myself oh and that every horrible thing that happened to me in my life was because I did not love myself. Wow. And it absolutely gave me chills at the time. And she said, and that will never happen again. We checked her psychological test like a week later, totally different person. Wow. And that completely cool? gregarious life changed. These are miracles, real miracles, right? Real miracles. And, and what happens? You go, if we, if we just do neurophysiology for a second, uh, or neurology for a second, but what happens at this particular point? The alcohol interferes with what are termed NMDA receptors. And those receptors are the gateway to learning, emotional integration of whatever it is you've been through. And what happens when you go to this particular state she suddenly can go into what's termed long-term potentiation. She could suddenly emotionally internalize what she knew was wrong, but she, she couldn't get it in her heart. So the head is one thing, right. and the heart is a very different thing. And you can find this, okay, I smile a lot, and people are like, why are you smiling so much, bro? You know, I can tell you stories about that. That's pretty hilarious, but you feel this love in your heart. And it's like, is the love coming from activities outside? No, it's not. It's always there. If I can have the courage to dive down, this is what, what you do in meditation. Sure. I can dive down below the storms and clouds around the heart. Then underneath the weather is always beautiful. It's always beautiful. It's Robert always Bustani beautiful. is with us. Prila Yoga, Prila Yoga, dot pralayoga.com Robert we're going to do a little break here and then I want to talk to you a bit more about the breathing and we're going to have to have you back because we haven't even talked about stretching and muscles and all that but we will so would you stay right there sir and then we'll we'll be Absolutely. we'll be right back it's fun previously we were talking with Brandon about the Blue Shield EMF device and he says it goes out 90 yards in all directions it's an omnidirectional field that if you think about a huge sphere that's expanding, that's that's essentially what the waveform pattern looks like. Oh, that's cool. So it, it's putting frequencies into the body, and then how does that work in relation to 
electromagnetic field that's coming in in the walls and the windows through a cell phone tower down the street. Yeah, so the cell repeaters and Wi-Fi and all this electromagnetic radiation in, in the um, in the environment, people mistakenly think that this is somehow going to act like a shield and block the radiation and make it not appear on any kind of tri-field meter or any measuring device. And that's simply not the case. It's more of a, an energy medicine, so to speak, where it's it's stimulating the bodies at the cellular level to create a cellular response to make all the individual cells much stronger and more able to adapt to the EMF stressors. So that's number one on the physical or the somatic level where the body is experiencing a decrease in stress from electromagnetic fields. If you're interested, you can click on the Blue Shield ad on the front page of One Radio Network. Use promo code One Radio, or also contact Brandon through his website there when you click, and he'll give you more information. Front page Blue Shield EMF protection device on OneRadioNetwork.com. It's really, really pretty cool technology. It's out of Australia, and it, it um, goes off every 45 seconds or so, so the body doesn't get used to it. And it just helps the, the cells in the body and everything just kind of deal more efficiently with whatever these things are, you know. EM, uh, cell phone towers and Wi-Fi, which we don't recommend in your home, and try to get hardwired. But, you know, lots of times you have kids, and if you didn't have Wi-Fi, they'd probably leave home, you know. So, so <laughs> because they want to sit on the couch and, you know, do their thing. Anyway, so you could put these in your home, and it really does work, and it'll help you, and, and we do what we can. And then you get one of these guys, and these are pretty cool, and you charge them up with your USB, and it's the same technology, and you can uh, charge them up, and then you just, um, they, they stay charged for about a week, really nice, and then you put this in your purse or pocket, and then this, uh, this kind of protects you as you're driving around the city with cell phone towers every, you know, 200 you know, two or three miles, they're all over the place. So, pretty cool. And then you go in, in into, into uh, um, businesses with cement floors and and uh, you know all the all the uh, things in uh, in the concrete. And there's, it's pretty tough, you know, in some of these places if you're sensitive. And this helps your body just to deal with these things better. So it's Blue Shield promo code One Radio on OneRadioNetwork.com. This is Brandon Amalani's company. And he's the same fellow that has started Blue Sh- uh, uh, Shen Blossom many years ago. And uh, uh, Robert mentioned um, Chinese medicine and, and uh, Tai Chi. Well, Brandon is a Qigong Chinese medicine fellow. And he has a whole lineage of Chinese herbalists that, uh, and they go back. And, and, uh, um, and some of these things are almost like so sacred they can't even talk about the recipes. Yes, that kind of a thing. It's a spiritual thing as well as an herbal thing. And so Brandon's products are, forget about it. I mean, it's like, they're amazing products. And it's called Shen Blossom. Uh, He has a 50-year-old ginseng, and they make it with organic sake. You know, forget about it. I mean, come on. It's it's just a real deal. Here's another thing for you guys. If if you're looking at things in that chakra down there south of the border, uh, if you want to kind of, I juice up that a little bit, and it's it it's not like a well. Check out this ingredient, and, and it's a product is called Arise. All right, check these ingredients out: fermented yam root, Japanese climbing fern and spore, amber resin, similax root, rosemary bark, dandelion parsley, ashwagandha, garlic scrapes, chive scrapes, 
I don't know what a scrape is. Sage, shizo seed, cumin seed, pyrosa leaf, saw palmetto berry, philodendron bark, plantain seed, gardenia, Japanese water plantain root, um, something I can't pronounce, sakura cherry, pyrosa root, and asparagus root. I mean, so this is called a rise, and it really is for vitality, emotional balance, uh, sexual health in both men and women, athletic performance, and also, at the same time, it helps you relax and sleep. Now, I love those kind of herbs that are so balanced out where you can you know, increase all this mojo, uh, not a very elegant word, but mojo, and then also help your sleep at the same time. I take this guy every day, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. These are all Amiron glasses. It's a real deal, folks. Uh, so if you're going to spend your, your Federal Reserve notes such as they are, go to Shen Blossom on OneRadioNetwork.com. I think you'll have a good experience with the products, and you'll, you'll like uh, you'll, what you find there, and I think you'll really enjoy you know, trying them out. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're having fun talking to a gentleman, a nice man who's been doing yoga forever, kind of, sort of, and it's PrilaYoga.com. He's in Houston, Robert Bustani. So I have a question for you on the, on the breathing thing. I think you'll be able to help me. So over the years, I've created lots of different uh, illnesses so I could learn how they work. As you know, this is what we do, right? I did the whole colon thing. Well, that was a tough one, man. I was in the fetal position on this floor as other people were doing my show. I had uh, then uh, the classic sciatica, right? Twice, and you know the pain of that one. That'll send you to another reality real quick. And then over the last three years, just wrapping that one up, three years of a thing called heartburn, Never could figure it out. I mean, you could imagine the things I did, but it was just this burning thing, you know, right there uh, underneath the rib cage, Robert. It was like, and it was affecting the vagus nerve, and I couldn't sleep. You know, it was crazy. But I learned so much just looking and seeing and seeing what it was. This is why I did it, right? So I could figure out how it all works, soul, mind, body. So the breathing thing I want to ask you about. So I'd be lying in bed two o'clock in the morning, almost every night, looking at this. This, this burning and figuring out what it is, right? Just talking to God and saying, well, is it me? And then I say, yeah, well, it's me. Okay, if it's me looking at me, then what, you know, the whole thing, you know how this works. You've, you've been there a lot. I know you have, I can tell. And so when I start to play with the breathing, if I would breathe deeply into the pain, the pain would get worse. It would get stronger. But if I would just barely kind of a buteco, buteco kind of a thing, I think maybe what you were talking about, maybe you can explain, where I would just kind of go a little bit. It, you could almost help the pain to dissipate, because almost as if you were eating away with the, at the pain in just a little fractions at a time, rather than taking the deep breath. C- can you explain from your perspective, being a physicist and a yogi, What's, what was going on there? Can you Did you understand what I'm saying? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I had your microphone off. Can you understand what I was saying? Yeah, if you focus on pain in the given area, then all of your attention goes on that, and there's tuning that goes on. And I'll, I'll give a really simple example. Okay. So at one point I was uh, having acupuncture 
and uh, and I got a very sharp uh, sensation, and I said to the acupuncturist, "You hit a nerve. This is a very high level acupuncturist." Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "No, I didn't. If I hit a nerve, it's different. It's just a little different than what you're getting." So what he did is he hit a nerve, and he let me feel that, and then he did. And I could tell the difference between mm-hmm. the two, gratefully. Okay, I mean, you're not going to try this on anybody. Where you put your attention is where the energy goes. Right. And if you put your attention focusing particularly on pain, sometimes the pain will increase because you're putting the energy to support that particular vibration. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. So it becomes necessary to focus, shall we say, where you want to go, not where you want to avoid. That's the simplest way. So you're changing your consciousness to a state where the pain is not there. You have to tune in. Tune into that. To a specific area. And sometimes um, you can go beyond pain because you've uh, become familiar with it and you're not afraid of it right. so yeah the one of the ways that people can and and there is a transformation that occurs when you do this if uh, you get into an ice bath uh, if you're not used to doing that kind of thing uh, there's a there's a great reaction and then slowly over time you find that you can go into that particular experience and relax at the same time. Relaxation is absolutely key. Yeah. So, so when I was breathing deeply, did that actually, mm-hmm. when I was breathing deeply into that pain, that was actually putting more focus on the pain and when I just breathed a little bit, it wasn't. Is that, is, is that right? I was trying to understand. Well, you begin to tune, but it's unconscious mm-hmm. how you end up tuning to this kind of thing. So if you have someone that has perfect pitch, they're a singer and they have perfect Mm. pitch, they know exactly where to get to the right place. And if they hear someone else who doesn't have perfect pitch, they can say, no, 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 that's off, and they can adjust it. They can help you to adjust it, Mm. the liar, or whatever it is. And so sometimes we have to learn that precise tuning to a given area and when you make that precise tuning and you relax, there's a, um, let me give you an even more physical example. Okay, let me put if you I on. contract the muscle in my arm, so if I contract the muscle very strongly in my arm, mm-hmm. that contraction might hurt. If you're not familiar with it, it'll hurt. So I do something really simple where pulling knees into the chest, take a leg up, try to hold the leg in that particular position and the muscles on the top of the thigh have to contract. So if I put my leg down and I lift up again, you feel a very sharp contraction in the quadricep. Mm -hmm. If you can relax when you do it, there's no pain. No pain. So relaxation is absolutely critical to allow the energy to run and when the energy runs, it'll eliminate whatever pain. It'll begin to heal a given area. So, so pain is just kind of a blocked very, energy. It's just kind of blocked energy. It's blocked yeah. energy. Yeah. And so let's let's 
make it really understandable. If, uh, if we're talking about uh, electrical currents running in fascial lines and someone has had chronic pain over a long period of time, biochemically, what begins to happen? The fascia begins to constrict because of the biochemical shifts that are occurring it constricts the area now the current can't run hmm. so if they're walking around it's fine because i, I don't want to get too complicated complicated here but this is really important if you're walking around and you have tension in a given area then the currents will kind of dissipate into other parts of the body so if you have someone that has chronic pain and they, they're walking around say, I don't have pain when, uh, when I'm moving around. But if I lie down to go to sleep and I relax, then suddenly I have pain. Well, what happens when you relax? You get the muscle relaxes, it expands, it puts pressure on the fascia, the fascia generates currents, and now the currents are not being dissipated into the muscle because they're not moving. So where does it go? It's like the current starts stimulating the superficial nerves and people have, I have chronic pain. Hmm. Yes, because we have to strip away the stress out of the fascia. It's, it's a biochemical thing. Yeah. And when, when I've done this with people that have cer certain types of chronic muscular pain or say hip pain, an older person with hip pain, pretty common for that kind of thing. Same thing with back pain. That's one of my specialties. Hmm. And, and what happens when you do that? If they're, if they're having constant pain, they can't relax. And if they can't relax and they're constantly tense, the fascia will, will get to uh, shrink. And when it shrinks, the only time it'll relax is when they just are still. Yeah. And that then the current can, can run through the acupuncture as it as it should but you're creating blockage you quite literally creating an electrical blockage hmm. same same thing happens with back pain but that's a little more complicated so it's a mechanical problem yeah, more than right so problem. this is why when we have something going on whatever it is and we grow spiritually with meditation and yoga and everything and we let go of things that are not serving us mental and emotional and pictures then the body heals because it's just relaxing everything and allowing the body to, the energy just to move. When, when you relax, you have microcurrents running through the acupuncture meridians and through hmm. the fascia, let's just say acupuncture meridians. And what does it do? It mediates biochemistry. It improves blood flow into a given area. But if you're fighting it, if you're tense, when you create that, that tension, now not only can the microcurrents not run hmm. so so freely and start stimulating the nerves, you find that um, you're creating tension at a subtle level, a level of yeah. subtle energy that we may not even be able to perceive. But clearly, from a very subtle, if if an individual. Uh, leaves their body they might they might not feel the pain sure yeah that's in their body in an operating room or something like this they can watch kind of uh, 
undisturbed by whatever it is that's happening. Yeah. But you climb back in, and where are you going to focus? Where are you going to focus? People, people don't don't focus on where they want to go. They focus, focus on where, where, what really the what they don't like. I mean, you know, what's going on there? What they yeah. don't like at the moment, which would bring disaster in the news. Yeah, which is interesting when you think about what's going on. Uh, just even in the natural world, when people get blood tests and they say, oh, this is off, or you get a thing and says, well, maybe you got a little bit of a lump in your breast, or, you know, all the different things that can happen when, yeah. when you ask people if there's something wrong with you, uh, and then you focus on that like you have to get rid of it, which is just, I, in my opinion, the opposite of what needs to be done. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at placebo effect. Placebo effect can be 55% of, you know, some particular study. And it's like, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen, right? <laughs> well, we know how it happens, right? We know how it happens. You know, we, we just know how it happens. Um, about, um, about two years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and my spiritual teacher said, well, it's about time you start stretching again, because I had been off and on yoga my whole life, but not really on it for about three or four years. So I just got up that night at two o'clock, spent about three hours on the mat just stretching. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, I was just stretching into, in, you know, into the tightness. And I did it every night for probably a year, two or three hours. It was the most amazing experience ever, ever. And I know you can appreciate what I'm saying here. And I moved my neck in places I never thought it could move. And so I, would you talk a little bit about what's going on with the neck? And, and uh, there must be a whole lot of stuff that we keep there in the shoulders and neck area, isn't there? I sure felt it. Shoulders and neck become a reflection of the alignment in the pelvis and lower spine. So if I have a stack, stack of blocks, right. I just take some books and I start stacking them out in one direction, well, eventually they'll fall over. So what do you have to do? You have to start going in the other direction. So the spine is a stack of blocks, but they're curves. And if I take the cervical curve and the lumbar curve, they're reflecting curves, then if I misalign the lower lumbar spine, then the neck will tend to go out of place. Mm. And if I just adjust the neck, then it won't necessarily hold if the lower lumbar spine. So if you consider the spine a stack of blocks, whatever is displaced at an upper level is often the result of lower level. So when I'm balancing, what do I do? You say, people will say, oh, you want to increase your core strength and they'll say, tuck your tailbone under and you know, do this kind of thing. Well, you'll end up putting all the pressure on the disc. So you have to correct from the bottom up. Yeah. That's typically what, what you do. All right, let's answer your question. Hmm. If I pull my shoulders down and my muscles get strong pulling my shoulders down, if the muscles that pull my shoulders down are stronger than the muscles that lift my shoulders up, mm. then I won't have neck pain. So people will say, stretch your neck. And you can if you do it softly. 
you can release the fashion. Oh, everything. But you got to do it softly, right? You just don't want to push it. All right, you don't want to push it. But yeah, yeah. So when the muscles, we're always picking things up. Right. Kids and groceries and whatever else and the weight of the world. So we're always (laughs) picking things up. So the shoulders are always going up. And if you get tense, what happens? Differential diagnosis, Harvard University, what do they say? If you're upset, it shuts down certain things in the guts Mm -hmm. and it weakens the lats and the shoulders go up. Hmm. So scary cat, what happens? The lats lengthen and the shoulders go up, right? You get this rounded back. So if the muscles that lift my shoulders up are stronger than the muscles that pull the shoulders down, then you will definitely have neck tension. But if I don't strengthen the muscles, just putting your hands on blocks or a chair or whatever it is, you push down and you lift yourself up. And if I get muscles much stronger that pull the shoulders down than the muscles that lift the shoulders up, there's no neck pain. There's no, there's no neck, or even tension, even though there's, there's no tension. Incorrect it. So what, what do I do? Someone has a crick in the neck, so I'm teaching yoga, so we have people that are pretty physical. So I had a young woman that came in. She had neck pain. And she said, I slept wrong. I have a crick in my neck. I can't get rid of it. So what did I ever do? She was very strong. Uh, and if they're not strong, I'll just pick them up. So I said, do a handstand on the wall. She does a handstand on the wall. Her head is hanging, right? Her head is hanging plumb from her neck. The weight of her head is stretching out the fascia in her neck. And I said, turn your head side to side. Hmm. So she just softly turned her head each way. I said, did you hear some cracks? She said, yeah. And I said, okay, come down. So I check your neck, see if it's better. She says, well, I can't find the pain right now. So she, <laughs> she said, but you didn't do anything. I said, yeah, I didn't have to. You did it. She gave herself you an adjustment, off. right? Yeah. She gave herself she, an adjustment. She gave herself an adjustment. Yeah. But what do you want? You don't want to pull too hard. So the weight of the head is just right. Body will let go to the mm. weight of the head. Mm-hmm. And mm. so everything adjusted as a result. The same thing can be done with the lower spine. You could do it even sitting down. So if I put one hand uh, on the sofa, one hand on my thigh, and I twist in that direction, mm-hmm. then my spine, if you can see my fingers, I've got mm-hmm. three fingers. And if I, the little finger shortest, middle fingers longest, and when I twist my hands, the little finger comes off first. Okay. Oh, yeah. So in fascia, if I slowly turn my head to one side, maybe I can even support my head, but if I turn my head to one side, I'll get a little bit of a stretch. If I'm hanging, if my head is hanging down, so it could be aerial yoga, it could be handstand. Whatever. Any number of things. You could lie over the edge of a bed and mm-hmm. let your head hang down mm-hmm. and turn the head side to side. The tightest fascial release. You don't have to do a big movement. The misconception is that you have to do something and feel some intensity. If you feel intensity, say in hamstrings, let's give that as an example. If you feel intensity in your hamstrings, so I grab my foot and I'm pulling on my leg and I feel a stretch in the back of my leg. Okay. Why did the leg go up? Because I'm pulling on it with my arm. But if the muscles in my thigh can lift my leg up. I don't feel any stretch in the hamstring. I feel tremendous contraction in the thigh. So the idea 
is no amount of pulling on my hamstring will strengthen my quadricep. And my quadricep opposes the hamstring. So it's always a matter of muscle balance. It's a balance of power. Quadricep, one country. <laughs> hamstring, different country. And they work together. So when the quadricep turns on, neurologically, you have an inhibiting neuron that turns off the hamstrings. You don't pull on the hamstrings. If you pull on things, they tend to revolt. Yeah. And so, and so the... Yeah, so so uh, physiologically, when we are stretching, so it feels like the body's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and firmer and harder. But you're not That's really true. you're not really putting resistance on it, like you're lifting weights with it or anything. It's just opposite of what you would think. What's going right. on physiologically is we're so, stretching so fascia and what's muscles. Going, what's going on there? As we said with the shoulders. If the muscles that pull my shoulders down mm -hmm. become stronger than the muscles that lift my shoulders up, I'll have no neck tension. And so it's always a question of balance between those two muscle groups. If I strengthen the quadricep, I then the hamstring you. lets go because neurologically it's set up that way. And so if I pull on the leg, how, how much can I pull? It's not, not that you can't stretch. Yeah, it's perfectly fine to stretch. But the stretching on a scale of one to 10, 10 being a very strong stretch, if I pull very strongly on this hamstring, it's gonna start getting stronger and stronger and you'll, you'll never get it to release. So I can pull on a scale of one to 10, I could pull a 20%, 30%, like a, a two or three or four. Mm -hmm. Pulling and body will will let go, but if I if I pull too hard, now the the muscle will react because it's going to feel like it's going to get torn. Oh, so, so it will it, tighten. Yeah. So if I stretch too hard, I develop strength. If I stretch very softly and let the muscle, so I, as a kid this used to happen. Mm -hmm. I would I'd sit down and I'd feel my heartbeat, and then I'd lean forward, and my body would let go if i relax you could watch my heartbeat in my body and my body would slowly let go because they're you know my heart beats my friend <laughs> so so it's, it's not going to tear anything so i could just let the heartbeat just take me into a post you can sit on a sofa i mean this is a this is a good way to work i can sit on a sofa come back here yeah and if I come over to one side, I could just let the body slowly melt into the position. Mm -hmm. You don't, stretching is never done quickly. It's done it's very slow. slow. Yeah. I can pull with one hand, push with one hand, exhale, twist, inhale, release, and very slowly, and I'm, it's happened in the classes. People of all kinds of ages, what happens? The tissue slowly begins to let go. Oh. Because when the muscle relaxes, the fascia, the fabric that holds the bones together will let go. The fascia will not stretch if the muscle is tight. So, you know, the classical idea, so to speak, somebody runs into a tree that's drunk and he doesn't get injured. And how did he not get injured? Because he was relaxed. His body was relaxed. So the fascia held the bones together. 
and he didn't get he didn't get injured yeah but if he if he's afraid when this happens and he tightens the muscles then he tears all kinds of things i know so you i know you have an appointment so i i it's hard yeah. to cut you off because you have to get out of here pretty quick right you got a few more minutes I can, I can do another five. Yeah, let's do five. I want to I ask about um, <clears throat> um, sciatica because we get a lot of emails and I went through it twice and I ended up getting rid of it just doing body work and stretching. But I went to chiropractors and, you know, specific ways did the whole thing. So I, my question is, is that uh, if you go to a chiropractor, natural docs, and osteopath, they'll all think it's the, the spine is being pinched and all of that. But I found that wasn't necessarily true, that it was some muscles pinching the nerve in my buttocks and piriformis and all that. I mean, is, is that close, do you think, with, with sciatica? The, the nerves, okay. There's there's uh, at least two kinds of sciatica. I'm okay. not gonna get into all of them. But there's at least two kinds. One type is you have a disc herniated pressing on nerve supply, on the nerve. which ultimately develops, the, moves down. Those nerves eventually uh, come together and form the sciatic nerve. So if I have a bulging disc, what would I do? I would lie on my stomach. I would lengthen my abdomen, pulling with my arms. Very simple process. We've, we've done, I've done it in orthopedic surgeon's offices. Wow. Where I'm here, and what do I do? I pull. Where's the disc? The disc is in the front of the spine. The sciatic nerve is in the back of the spine. So when I pull with my arms and I just kind of turn from side to side and relax, the disc will tend to move from the back of the spine to the front of the spine because gravity pulls the liquid cord out. If I lift legs, if I'm having difficulty lifting a leg because I'm having pain, what do I have to do? You move the disc from the back of the spine to the front of the spine, hmm. and you do it on your stomach. You don't do traction on your back. So that's one kind. Another kind that you can have is you have an imbalance in piriformis. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. If I have piriformis on one side, it's going from the sacrum to the outer hip. If, it, if it's weak, if you have inflammation on one side, the inflammation will tend to weaken the sciatic, the uh, piriformis on one side. So when it weakens, it tends to open up a little bit and the other side tightens. Yeah, it tightens more on the nerve. Yeah. You get piriformis on the tight side. So what do you do? You take care of the inflammation on the opposite side and it, it relieves it. And you can do it with stretching. Yeah. which obviously you've done yeah and boy so deep body work I had, some, yeah, I had some guy that really dug deep on me robert and he he, mm -hmm. he helped me i had to do quite a few sessions though to do it but we got through sure. it yeah it was amazing it's very specific mm. to, to do it and sometime i don't know maybe i'll come visit austin sometime and sit down draw some stuff on a piece of paper and oh man see what's going on i'd love to have uh, so so before you go um so how can folks to learn from you online, uh, virtual. Tell them how to do that. Um, they can go to uh, pralayayoga.com, P-R-A-L-A-Y-A-Yoga.com. And uh, number here for this. Actually, you can Google me. You can Google me and you'll find my studio. 
Okay. I'm easy to find. <laughs> and then you have a course that people can take. How does it work? Do you have videos or do yeah. they do they do live sessions? 200 hour, 300 hour courses. You can do it in person. I have people doing it out of Europe at this point. Wow. Because I'm certainly not flying to Europe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you you everything is online. So you can you can do it in person or you can do it online. Do it online. Good. And if you just Google my name, everything will come up. Every, well, Google knows everything, Robert Bustani. What can I uh, say? Apparently, <laughs> maybe more than I would prefer, but nonetheless, uh, there we are. Adam Bergstrom wrote in, just a quick one. As you know, you're an old friend of Adam's. He said exactly what Adano said. Pain is blocked energy measured in ohms, resistance to flow not measured in ohms, O-M-S. I always learn from Robert Bustani, Adam Bergstrom. So he says hi. Adam's listening in California right now. Robert, yeah, I you, hope to see him sometime. Yeah, my best. come visit sometime, Robert, or we'll come down and see you. And thanks so much for being here. It really was an honor having you, sir. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a, have a nice stretchy day and have some fun. What are you going to do today? You teach today? You teach? I'm going off to teach at Houstonian Hotel and Fitness Center right now. Oh, cool. All right, sir. May the blessings be. You take care of yourself. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Yeah, been an honor. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com, Robert Bustani, PrilaYoga.com, and, and that's his website. Well, that was cool, man. I love talking to yogi, yogi guys and masters. We are going to take just a quick break, and um, I'm not sure when our next guest is coming on here. I should probably know that. Oh, I think only an hour. Oh, I got an hour off. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Oh, I can answer emails. Oh, Email inbox is full. I'll do that. We'll answer emails and uh, have some water. And then we're going to talk to a regenerative farmer lady, Kate Cavanaugh. Kate Cavanaugh. I think that's, that's set up for 1230, isn't it? Let me check. You know, it's hard to keep up with these things. It's just not hard, but, you know, for me, I can't do anything. Let's see. Let's check. I think she's 1230. Yeah, 1230. Okay, well, we'll see you in one hour. And uh, Adam Bergstrom, speaking of Adam, Adam 2.0 tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And then uh, also tomorrow, 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 the sun will come out tomorrow, is... Who else do we have tomorrow? I know we have somebody else. Oh, yeah, Stephanie. Stephanie. Stephanie Arnold. And... Uh, talking about out-of-body experience that she had. It's kind of fun. Yeah, once you do that, baby, you know your soul, you're not the body and not the mind. It's it's a real game changer, and you can do it. And I try to help you learn how to do it uh, on our Friday show called It Takes a Long Time to Get Young. That's what we talk about, that stuff. Okay, so I will see you in about an hour right here. Let me know if I can help with anything. Uh, don't forget two things. We have the... Pine Pollen Special, the biggest sale of the year going on right now, which is the 16th of August. Pine Pollen, use promo code RESTORE20. It's a wonderful product, uh, guys and girls. I think you'll like it. It's a very, the only natural way, really, to get testosterone uh, encouraging uh, molecules in your body. Well, meat will do it, a little bit of meat and, and dairy and 
um, cholesterol will, will help build testosterone. But this is a food from trees, uh, from God, and it's pollen from the trees, pine pollen. It's really an amazing product. Try it. Uh, it's on sale right now. Restore 20. Restore 20 is the promo code. A biggest sale of the year, 20%. A stock up, get two or three, four bottles. And then also, we have a special going on with our far infrared sauna for the next uh, couple of weeks till the end of August. Kind of a pre-fall deal. We thought we would uh, encourage you to get one before uh, sales really pick up, and they always do in the fall because, you know, people start getting cold, and they say, oh, man, I want to do a sauna. But you should do it, too. When, uh, but you can get set up now. You'll be all ready to go. You'll be kind of used to it for a few days before the weather starts to get cool off, and it ever will. Um, and uh, the way to get that best price ever, it's eleven ninety five rather than the regular twelve ninety five, which is already discounted. The twelve ninety five is discounted uh, from like fifteen hundred, which is the suggested retail price. But we got permission to lower it for you because I wanted to, and they said you can do it, but you can't put it in print, the twelve ninety five every day. Can't put it in print. As long as you just say it over the air, uh, we're good. Um, you know, you can understand why. They don't want people calling them, how come he's selling it for twelve ninety five? You know, that thing. So uh, we're doing eleven ninety five for the next two weeks, and the only way to get that is to email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. And that's an email that you can reach me anytime. Um, you know, as life would be these days, I'm not far away from a computer uh, working on my, my writing projects and, and doing the work here, uh, work, doing the play here and on our show. So see you in an hour. I love you. May the, may the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.